I think it's always nice to have some kind of creative project when you're traveling, especially if you're traveling solo and if you're traveling long term. Mm -hmm. It kind of anchors me. Welcome to Deviate with Rolf Potts. Today is part of my ongoing series of interviews with people I quote in my new book, The Vagabond's Way. I chat with travel writer Lavinia Spaulding, who wrote a book called Writing Away, a creative guide to awakening the journal writing traveler, which I quote in three different sections of the new book. Lavinia and I talk about why keeping a journal when you travel can make the journey better and more engaged. We talk about strategies for getting started with a travel journal at the outset of a trip and how to create dynamic journaling habits as the journey plays out. We talk about capturing all five senses, not just what you see, but what you hear and smell and taste when documenting your travels in a journal. We talk about how journaling can be a part of the discovery process that comes with travel and how a journal can serve as both a therapist and a stimulus to adventure on the road. We talk about how journaling can sometimes be as simple as creating bullet-pointed lists about what you're experiencing on the road, and how journals are more meaningful if you document the embarrassments and disappointments and failures of travel, as well as the joys and epiphanies. I start by reading an excerpt about travel journaling from The Vagabond's Way. Let's listen in. All right, Lavinia, so the chapter that features you is called Keeping a Journal Helps You Make Sense of the Journey. The epigraph to the chapter is from Jack London, getting into print from 1903. It says, keep keep a notebook, travel with it, eat with it, sleep with it, slap into it every stray thought that flutters up into your brain. Cheap paper is less perishable than gray matter and lead pencil markings endure longer than memory. And here's the body of the chapter itself. It says, keeping a handwritten journal as you travel can prove to be one of the most rewarding daily rituals of a journey, in part because it amounts to more than the specific thoughts and observations you record on the page. In her 2009 book, Writing Away, author Lavinia Spaulding noted that a journal can be a powerful tool for self-understanding while you make sense of new places. It can become a haven, a sacred oasis to come home to when travel has thrown you off kilter, she wrote a personal traveling shrine where you commune only with you. Whereas the public task of sharing observations from your travels on social media has popularly usurped the right of keeping a private travel journal, recording your thoughts on paper for the exclusive audience of yourself is a far more reflective and enduring way to document the journey. Social media posts tend to evoke a cocksure, performative sense for what happens on the road, while a journal allows you to be vulnerable and reflective, to make sense of anxiety and uncertainty and loneliness, as well as joy and triumph. In this way, a travel journal can end up becoming both an insightful chronicle of the journey and an ever-expanding testament to what you've learned along the way. In the end, your travel log will help you remember more than what you did and saw, Spalding wrote. It will help you remember how you became the person you are today. So what do you make of that, Lavinia? I stand by what I wrote 13 years ago. I do think that a journal can be all of those things. It can be a companion. It can be uh, sort of a a on-the-road therapist. It can um, be a, a place where you have this sort of ceremonial ritual um, on the road. You know, travel can be kind of chaotic and dysregulating at times. And I think that for me, anyway, journaling is really a comfort in that way. But at the same time, it's also part of the adventure. When I sit down to write about my day 
when I'm traveling or my observations, I, I never know what's going to come out of the tip of my pen. Hmm. I, I learn things. I figure things out on the way. And so it's part of the discovery as well. And then, yeah, there's that practical element of just being able to go back and relive it through your own handwriting or, you know, if it's not a handwritten journal, through your private reflections. It's practical, but it's also um, it's also just time travel. But I'm curious to know about the background of your own habits. You know, you and I share a similar pa- travel pedigree in that we were both expatriates in Pusan, South Korea at the same time, but we never met while we were there. And so I'm curious to know, did, and I actually, I kept a travel journal uh, while I was in Korea and I go back and read it sometimes. It, it, every day was very short. But it's clear that I was trying to work through culture shock and certain kinds of loneliness and, and certain kinds of discovery and joy. So did, when you arrived in Korea as a young person, did you have a journal habit in hand or did you sort of, was it developed in the, in the process of travel and expatriate life? Oh, it was actually developed much earlier. I have been journaling since I was a very young child, as soon as I uh, became a you know able to write. I was keeping journals, and I kept them all through high school, all through college. And my first trip abroad, uh, which was Europe, my senior year of college, I, I think I filled like four notebooks hmm. in a couple of months, and they're hilarious to look back on now. But that's where my you know, my habit was definitely already fully in place by the time I reached Korea. Give me an example of what was hilarious about your Europe notebooks, because when I think of when I think of Europe notebooks, I think of like the Celine character and Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise. You know, she keeps a journal, um, but it sounds like hers hers were sort of soulful, and they were a conversation between her younger self and her current self. Mm-hmm. In, in what way? In what ways were your journals, in retrospect, hilarious from Europe? Oh, I was, I was just so clueless. (laughs) It's just funny. Uh, There's, uh, there's this one, I was looking back at them recently. um, And there's this one entry from the, uh, the Vatican. And I'm talking, I'm, I'm really annoyed with all of the other travelers who are taking pictures and they're not supposed to. And I'm just upset and I rant for a full page about it. And then at the end, it says, I mean, I took a picture of the Mona Lisa, but everybody else was doing it. <laughs> so there, and, you know, it's just, it's just, it's sweet. I feel very tender about that young traveler when I reread my journals, which I don't do very often, but sometimes I'll be writing an, an essay that takes place long ago and I'll go back to the journals to fill in the blanks. And, um, you know, it's great because there's so much in there that I've forgotten, but also I just, I reunite with this younger, very different version of myself. Why do you go back and revisit these journals and what do you learn about yourself and and how does it serve the present day? Mm. There are two times when I, when I revisit them. One is when I'm cleaning and reor- and organizing huh. <laughs> my shelves or my closets. And, oh, this is, this is from Nepal. And I'll flip through it and 
just get lost again huh. in the streets and the markets. Um, or when I'm writing an essay. Hmm. So I'm, I'm working right now on, on an essay actually about the Vatican, about an experience uh, at that I had when I was in my 20s and it was sort of a pivotal experience. And I had written the full essay and then I went back and I found the journal and realized that I had a lot of details wrong. And, and hmm. I had you know, not big details, but little things. And, um, and so that, you know, I can, I can fill in the blanks. And so it's practical in that way. But it's also, like I said before, it's just time travel. It's, it really, it shows me how far I've come. And it's kind of, you know, a a therapist once told me that there's this really easy trick that you can do to, to be gentler with yourself, which is to, pin up a childhood photo of yourself somewhere hmm. and just sort of look at that photo and say, like, be nice to that little girl or, you know, be nice to that kid. And rereading my journals, I sometimes feel that way too. Like, oh, I was, I was very naive and I didn't know a whole lot about the world and I was just getting started. And yeah, there's a there's a real sweet tenderness there when I read back on my journals. Like I'm I'm seeing where I came from and how I started as a as a traveler. This is important, I think, because like sometimes uh, I, I talk to a lot of people about travel I have for the last twenty years, and sometimes it, sometimes it's young people, it's people in their early twenties or even late teens, and I think one um, temptation of an older person is to sort of be the finger wagging back in my day guy, you know? And, and so I think reading my travel journals from my early twenties and just sort of seeing sort of this cocksure persona from a guy who was clearly insecure where he was. Um, he was also sort of sweet in his own way and he was very naive. I think it helps you understand not just yourself at an earlier age, but what it's like to experience certain stages of life. And I think you can, you can feel empathy, not just for your, for your younger self, but for people who are at certain stages in life and, and going through experiences and might not have that more seasoned attitude towards travel because it's so new. Has your, has your habit changed over the years? I mean, compared to when you were age eight or whatever and, and writing about your cat um, to, to when you were writing about the Vatican in this way that might have been a little bit blustery. How has, how has this journal habit changed and what have you learned from the process of doing it regularly? When I was traveling in Europe, which is really where I started my practice of, of travel journaling, I sort of just wrote the the breakfast to bed format, everything that had happened to me that day, all the details and a lot of um, not a, not a ton of self-reflection or examination, just the facts and my feelings about them, which I still I, I definitely still record feelings. But I think now when I'm journaling on the road, I'm very conscious of capturing the things that I, that I won't remember from my photos that I won't remember that I won't be able to glean from a guidebook or from conversations with, uh, with companions on the road. So really how, 
how did this experience feel to me? How did it smell? How did it sound? How did it taste? Um, those are those are the things I really try to capture. And then I I also don't force myself to record everything. I I just I make sure I take notes on what really moved me on the extremely meaningful moments. Yeah, and and I you know I do a, a bit of I've started doing a bit of what they call now bullet journaling, hmm. which is um, my version is is if I'm really tired and it's the end of the night, I just sort of write the uh, you know the very short um, bullets of the sort of the three main things I want to remember from that day, just up top, and then I I let myself freely write, and that then I make sure that I'm capturing everything because if I if you if you try to capture everything, it it starts. I've said this before. Um, I think it's somewhere in in the book, but it starts to really smell like homework, huh. <laughs> and, and that and you get bored with it and you abandon it. So you have to you have to kind of keep that relationship lively. So and I keep I keep a lot of lists, but yeah, I think that I also use my notebook to work out questions, conundrums in a way that I didn't when I was younger. I use it as a tool for self-examination. And, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're really vulnerable and you're telling your journal the full truth and becoming very intimate with it, it really, it can offer itself up as, as a, a teacher in the is is that teaching aspect of the journal, is it a real-time thing, or is it something that teaches you um, months or years later when you reread it? Mm, both. I think both. Probably hmm. more months later when you're rereading it. But just that, I think just the act of writing is, it's therapeutic, it's comforting, it's... Um, it's edifying, you know, you just, they, it's even good for your health. There are all these studies that show that it, you know, it boosts your immune immunity. And, um, of course it helps with stress, which is great for your health. But I think that if you're committed to really telling the truth in it, then, then yes, it can be a teacher on the road as you, as you write and, and you explore the questions that are that are coming up for you while you're traveling. I, I like the phrase telling the truth because as I implied in the chapter, sometimes we don't necessarily do that on social media. Sometimes we sort of perform this more competent version of ourselves when we <laughs> post to Instagram. Uh, and so <clears throat> what, how does one go about telling the truth? What sorts of things should one be vulnerable and honest about um, when, when keeping a travel journal. Right. Well, that's, it's a great point. We, when we're posting on social media, we're filtering for it's for an audience. We're writing it with others in mind. And so when I say telling the truth, I think just sort of, yeah, not, not filtering it, just, you know, what happened to you that you were embarrassed about? Hmm. What, what is it that you don't like about your experience right now? 
Um, was there a moment where you felt like you could have been a better traveler or a, a better human being? There's a concept in, in Buddhism that the worst times of your life when you're going through something hard are actually the best times of your life because when everything is fine and everything's pretty and perfect and, um, you know, you're, you're at that, uh, sparkling seaside resort and you're eating your oysters and everything's gorgeous. And, uh, it's, it's really easy, but you're not learning anything. Hmm. And, and so the times that are hard, the times where you're struggling, those feel the worst in the moment, but they're actually the best times of your life because those are the opportunities for growth. And so to, to pinpoint those moments where you're really struggling, and I think that any long-term travel will comes with struggles, um, and, and then to, to, to put those on the page and really reflect on them and to examine them, you'll, that's when you learn and that's when you grow and change on the road. And to me, that's one of the biggest gifts of travel is yeah. that opportunity for growth. Yeah, I was thinking it sort of does double duty. Even if you're really honest in your journal at home, travel puts you into these new contexts where almost every day you're, you have a chance to be a fool or an ignoramus or someone who doesn't know what's going on or doesn't, isn't doing things right. Uh, and so it feels like it, a travel journal is almost is actually a, a very important travel tool as a way to sort of navigate the unknowing that is travel. If you don't sit down and sort of reflect on it, you can really lose that opportunity to, I don't know, to just go deeper into the experience and reflect on the meaning of it. Yeah, I think we often talk about travel as something that gives you the gift of experience rather than the things we surround ourselves or are tempted to surround ourselves with at home. And in a, in a sense, maybe the journal is a way of, of trapping those experiences or at least reflecting on them and, and sort of turning them over and examining them from different angles. So um, for, for listeners who might um, be really curious about journaling but don't have their own practice, Let's talk a little bit about uh, strategies for keeping a journal and for keeping a journal regularly as opposed to that journal that has one entry for each day of the first half of the week and is never used again. So um, it, was, it was interesting when I was reading uh, the, the little excerpt to you earlier, it said 2009. It's a 2009 book. Actually, that was a long time ago. Uh, and so you're this person who pitched and sold a book about travel journaling um, more than 10 years ago. So as, as an expert in this, uh, what are some techniques for someone who wants to build a travel journaling practice that can not just deepen their travel experience, but uh, deepen their lives as, as they reflect on these experiences? Mm. Yeah. So I would say that um, the the best advice that anyone has ever given me has nothing to do with about journaling has nothing to do with journaling. Huh. And it's, uh, it's advice that my, um, my Buddhist teacher gave me about meditation and he, it was short sessions many times huh. instead of sitting down saying, well, I'm going to meditate for an hour and sitting down on the cushion to meditate for an hour, you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to meditate 
in short sessions many times. So I'm going to meditate for five minutes because then you're sort of, you're letting yourself off the hook. You're tricking yourself into getting into sitting on the pillow. And once you are on the, on the pillow, it actually feels great. And you might end up meditating for an hour, Hmm. but it's that, it's that sitting down to meditate that can sometimes feel hard. Um, it's the exact same with cracking open the notebook. If you think, oh, I, I now I'm going to journal for an hour, you might not journal at all. Whereas if you think, oh, I'm going to write three sentences about my day, or I'm going to write five words about my day, um, then it's really easy to crack the crack it open. You're you're giving yourself an incredibly easy assignment. So that's the first thing I would say is you know don't don't hold yourself to these, to filling up this entire, you know, this huge book every, every single day. Just think about writing a sentence or two every day. Um, the, you know, or the, the five, five words about something you want to remember Hmm. or the little bullet points. And then I would say, um, you know, I, I keep a lot of lists and it's the, the same idea. It tricks me into opening my book and, um, and I, I write out the, I write the headings of the lists before I even travel um, throughout the book. So I have page blank pages that have headings on them that say um, smells, sounds, tastes, uh, objects, characters, um, quotes, hmm. things like that, and. Um, a glossary. And then I fill that as, as I travel. And so even if I'm not writing long entries every day, I, I have these lists and they bring back so many memories. Yeah. It sort of deepens your relationship with this object. And actually speaking of the object, uh, do you have any ritual for buying the journal before it even begins? Do you, do you buy a fancy journal with a leather cover? Cover? Do you get just a, like a, a paper spiral notebook that you might have used in school? Is it always a, a paper journal? Do you do it electronically ever? Um, how is the objectness of the journal a part of this? Mm, I love a, a beautiful journal. Um, and in fact, my entire first chapter of my book is about buying, <laughs> buying the journal, which if, if you're going to... Um, keep an electronic journal. You can just skip that chapter. But I think there's a, I I just, there's a lot of uh, pleasure for me in picking out a journal for my trip. And I, I have a different journal for every trip. Yeah. It feels like you're sort of curating your trip in a certain sense. It becomes, I think if well-practiced, it becomes a situation where you get excited about feeding your journal be yep. it be it uh, an, an entry or a list or an observation or that sugar packet or that arrest report, right? Um, <laughs> it wasn't me. I didn't get arrested. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, but you're, you, I mean, this is, it, it's not just a collection of ob- objects and observations, but it's about this person who decided that these are the exact objects that should represent this trip. Um, and so how does this, are there times when you're, you're in a, in a city or in the, the countryside or you're on a hike in your travels and you, you're sort of thinking, how will this end up in my journal? Oh, sure. Sure. Thinking about writing it. Um, or yeah, I, and, and again, it, it becomes an artifact. It becomes something, it becomes a souvenir. If you, if you make it 
fun like that if you if you paste things in. Um, some of my journals I've put I've made myself a pocket at the back, and then I just tuck things in business cards and so forth. I have a lot of um, pressed flowers in my journals. I have um, I have one from Bali that has a packet of clove cigarettes, you know, that cigarettes aren't in there anymore, but everyone I met at that time was smoking clove cigarettes. And sounds just, very nineties. I wanted to remember the smell. And mm-hmm. so it still smells a little faintly for like clove cigarettes. But I think also, you know, I, if you make the journal a project, I, I think it's always nice to have some kind of creative project when you're traveling, especially if you're traveling solo and if you're traveling long term. Mm-hmm. It kind of anchors me in a way if I have something creative that I'm doing. And, you know, you and I are writers, so we're, you know, we we sort of always have a creative project built in. Artists are the same way. But for someone who's just... Um, who just wants to to record their trip and remember, I think that it can feel really fun to do that sort of crafting creative part, you know, to make it a project. I like the idea of a project because sometimes it's a mission around which you can plan your travels, even if it's not literally the goal for your travel, it suddenly gives you a purpose. You're going to collect things for the journal during the day. You mentioned clothes and remembering the smell. You've also mentioned in this conversation and written about the five senses. And so I know that there's there's a term called sightseeing, but not smell seeing. <laughs> so, so how do you, how do you, um, how do you force yourself or discipline yourself to seek out the other four senses that go beyond sight? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's something I do, or I try to remember to do it every time I travel, which is I take myself somewhere loud, like, you know, like a market or a public square or something like that. And I find a bench and I sit down and I close my eyes and I just engage the other senses. I smell, I listen, I, you know really wake up my other senses. And then, um, and then I write afterwards. So I always do that. And some, it's interesting because some of those entries are my richest writing from, Mm. from my trips. And I have, they have found their way into so many of my published essays because they're the most, you know, recreated, I guess you could say of, the, um, of the trip. And, um, and then again, the lists, I always have a list of, of sounds and senses and, um, and you can use it as a meditation, you know, anytime, say you're going out, uh, to, I don't know, you're walking to the park from your hotel or your Airbnb or whatever. Um, you just decide to, to really only focus on one sense and then you can do it. You you know you, you just tell your mind, okay, only think about what you're what you're hearing, and you'd be really surprised how much you notice when you tell your brain to notice it. 
I, I love the ask. It's sort of like playing games with your day, which you're invited to do as a traveler. But mm-hmm. in, in a sense, you're you're playing games with your life. You're finding ways to get out of out of the the routines and habits that you normally have, um, and. Uh, and it feels like creating these lists is something that just suddenly your day has focus, even though it's not super focused, you're, you're, you're getting a list of smells. I know that you, you mentioned lists a lot. Um, and one, I forget exactly what you call it in the book, but it's basically a negative page where you sort of write about the things you didn't expect to find, but the, or the things that were a little unpleasant. Cause I think sometimes as, as travelers, we're looking for good things. We're looking for the, the experience we dreamed about, you know, at the Taj Mahal or the, the great pyramid. Um, Talk a little bit about this this um, ritual of listing things that aren't quite what you expected or aren't quite as pleasant as you'd hoped. Mm. Well, I just think it, it goes back to having that intimacy with your journal and sort of cultivating an honest relationship with the journal. If I, I think a lot about uh, journaling as having a conversation with yourself and you're not talking, you're really, you're actually listening to yourself. And I think it's important to, to listen to the, you know, to all the truth, to the full truth, the good, the bad, the ugly, because, you know, a a lot of the time, what we expect out of a trip, it's, is not, what we get, right? So we think, oh, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get there and I'm gonna feel this way. And we arrive and we feel very differently. And if we don't write that down, sometimes what we expected will actually uh, eclipse the, <laughs> the, the true experience. Hmm. We'll, we'll forget about it and we'll, you know, and our mind will revert to that initial expectation, even if it wasn't met. And so to me, it's really important to write down, you know, oh, I expected, you know, I expected this hike to be revelatory. I expected it to be pristine, but instead there's actually trash all along the trail. Hmm. And, um, and it's disappointing to me. And let's, let's work out why, I had this expectation and why it's disappointing to me and what it says about me as a traveler, what it says about, um, you know, who I, who I am and, and what I've come to expect and why is this important to me and what does it mean? That to me is, you know, you can really, it's that old Rilke, you know, you, you learn to love the questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I love this aspect of it because I think sometimes we're sort of, compelled to see travel as a, a consumer experience that we want to open our journal and give this day a bad Yelp review. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but I think if we just see, if we see bad times as disappointments rather than windows into the world, um, we're going to be stuck in that consumer, uh, aspect of travel. And so keeping in mind, uh, that there's all sorts of good and bad things to put in the journal. One, one mention, one thing you mentioned before as a young journaler, it was all about me. Um, how do you write beyond yourself in a travel journal? Because I think it's it's pretty easy to write about your reactions to things you have in a travel. How do you turn the corner into something that's more repertorial, that's more philosophical, that goes beyond the self as a travel journaler? Well, I think just, you know, writing about the people that you meet 
it's that's always so much more interesting to me than writing about myself. Mm. You know, today I I you know I went into this church and I met the person who worked there and we talked for a while and her name was this and she grew up there and uh, you know she said this or that and I think well, you know it's very we meet so many people on the road and they're sort of um they become I don't know the background and if you can write about them in your journal then you have more of a of a connection to the place especially if you if you go beyond the cursory niceties and you say oh how long have you worked here and you open up a conversation if it's a shop I always ask even if they look like they're 19 is this your store because more often than not it is not their store but it's their mother's and before their mother it was their grandmother's and Mm. you know how has this street changed since your grandmother um opened this store and I've met the loveliest people just saying, is this your store or how long have you worked here or how long have you lived here? It's not hard to start a conversation and the rewards are huge. Yeah. In in a way, your journal in that situation is giving you the excuse to be curious. If you're not, if it's not a part of your usual rhythms as you walk through the day at home, suddenly you um, are allowed to be curious because this could be something that ends up in your journal. Does it, do you ever like formally interview people? Do you ever sit, sit down and say, you know, make up a pretext to interview them? Or is it more informal uh, as you talk to people in a way that might end up in your journal? I do. Yeah. I formally interview people. If I, think that I might write a story about something, I will say I am a writer and there's a chance that I might write a story about this. Would you mind if I asked you a couple more questions? And people like to be asked questions. I mean, every once in a while, someone will get shy and say no. But but yeah, in that case, I, I would usually record the if it's a formal interview that I think I'm going to write, I'll ask if I can record them and then I'll record them. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, I I mean if I I think that it it really depends. It depends on on if it's just for your for yourself and your connection to the place, and you're just looking for a deeper. Um, understanding of the neighborhood for your own sake or, or, or a deeper understanding of, of whatever the experience is, then just having a conversation is a really lovely thing. It's a nice thing. And it shows the, the local that you're talking to that you're not just there as a consumer and a tourist, but you're actually interested hmm. in the, the people as well. This this actually ties into another part of the Vagabond's Way where I quote you in a non-journal context. So I'll read it to you and maybe you can reflect on this in the context of what we've been talking about. You write, meaningful experiences don't typically happen in tourist zones and backpacker hotspots. They're found in barbershops, classrooms, markets, hospitals, playgrounds, remote villages, and hole-in-the-wall kitchens. You find them by taking risks and getting involved. It is, I think, easier to find a meaningful experience in a place like that that's not a, a backpacker hotspot. 
but it's all about your mindset. I mean, you can find a meaningful experience anywhere as long as you are open hearted and you make yourself vulnerable to a place and you and you trust that people are good and and you you just you know and you and you want to have a relationship to a place that's more about just meeting other backpackers on the road mm. um, or you know taking a bunch of pictures of yourself in front of the Taj Mahal right i think i think that meaningful experiences can happen anywhere but they might be more easily available off off the the back the beaten track as it were yeah i i read an anthropological study of a of a a scholar who studied backpackers and she found that the uh, the rhetoric of interacting with local people is far greater than the actual reality of interacting with other people that backpackers cluster just like any other form of tourist there's a couple of curious ones classrooms and hospitals how do you end up how have you ended up in classrooms and hospitals mm, yeah well i've taught all you know in in many places in the world um the first thing that comes to mind probably is when i traveled to tibet uh to my teacher's um monastery in rural tibet and your, t- I, your, your buddhist teacher yes mm-hmm. yes my rinpoche kentro lodro taye rinpoche is his name and he's the abbot of a big monastery in tibet and back mm-hmm. in like i don't know uh, probably 15 years ago or so, I traveled to Tibet for three weeks and I got to teach these um, orphans in his monastery who, uh, who you know, these kids who didn't speak any English, but I taught them head, shoulders, knees and toes. <laughs> and uh, it was wonderful. I can close my eyes and I can still see their faces. And that that is one of the more meaningful experiences um, of my traveling life. I, I, I'm tempted to have you sing "Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes" for us now for like the uh, the theme music of this episode, but I I will not <laughs> I will not force you to do that, Lavinia. Knees and toes, knees and toes. It gets faster and faster as you go, you know. And then they're just giggling, and um, yeah, it's. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, there are a lot of opportunities. You talk about this in vagabonding to, to make yourself of use on the road. And so, you know, offering to, to come in and talk to a classroom, you know, about, you know, just being a a native speaker, um, is a way to engage with the community and to give yourself a, a really cool experience. Uh, there might there might be some listeners who think, well, I'm not a journalist or a writer. I'm not a teacher. Uh, can you be a pretend teacher or a pretend journalist on the pretext of of getting to know places better? Of course, yes. I I did a whole TEDx talk about it. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, uh, can you paraphrase your TEDx advice? Um, how do you sort of uh, inhabit a different version of yourself to give yourself permission to engage in places in different ways as a traveler? Yeah, well. I think that we as journalists, you know, we don't, we don't have the, the, I don't know if luxury is the right word, but we, we can't be wallflowers. We're not allowed to be wallflowers. We won't get the story if we don't actually get out and talk to people. Right. And so we go on a trip with the mission to, 
talk to talk to as many people as we can and and, and get the story. And I think that it's um, it's really a, a the greatest gift of being a travel writer is that obligation to talk to people because in the end it, it makes for a much richer experience. And so if you can send yourself on assignment, you're not, you know, you're not saying, hi, I'm a journalist or hi, I'm a writer. But if you sort of say to yourself, well, I'm going, I'm going to send myself in the way that a travel writer would to find a story even if I don't end up writing it, even if it's just in my journal or on my Instagram, then you, you break that, you break the habit of shyness or trepidation and you, you, you know, you just end up, you end up with a much richer experience. I like, I like the phrase, the habit of shyness. I'm an, I'm an introvert. And so travel sort of forces me into a kind of extroversion and, and travel writing too. It sort of gives me a pretext to be a little bit less cloistered than I am in my normal habit-driven life. Um, I'm curious, after all these years, having become the travel journal person, do you have an entire room at home dedicated to old travel journals? How do you curate <laughs> travel journals from past? Yeah, I have about a half of a closet filled with travel journals. Um, I, you know, and they're just all different sizes and shapes. And some of them are journals I've, I've bought on the road. So, you know, there's, there's one made of uh, like old leaves or banana skins or something. I don't even know what it is, but I'm trying to think of what it's made of. It was bought in Thailand and, uh, yeah, I I love my journals. To me, they're sort of like I said, it's an artifact. They're my favorite souvenirs, and I, yeah, I have them. I have them in in boxes in my closet, but not a whole room now. I do also. I I didn't answer a question that you asked me earlier, which is I do also take notes on my phone when uh-huh. I'm traveling. So it's not entirely you know this you know filling the journal. I. I don't really believe in bringing my big journal along with me when I'm walking around. I leave that in, you know, in my room and I have a a smaller notebook that I jot things into, but I also put, put notes in my, in my phone. If I'm, if I'm, especially if I'm reporting, if I'm on a, on assignment or something. Yeah. I've, uh, I've found, I used to be a, just a, a loyal carrier of a small notebook that fed into the larger notebook. But I found in recent years, actually, I take a lot of photos and audio notes and, you know, type notes into my phone to myself. Has, has this habit transformed to you? Is there a danger to being, to having a phone as the interface instead of a paper notebook? I don't think there's a danger. Hmm. I think that whatever works for you to, to, you know, record your thoughts and your journey. It's that, you know, my, my, um, opening quote in my book in writing away, hang on, let me find it is, um, a traveler without observation is a bird without wings. That's the main thing is just the, is, is having whatever tool works for you for that observation. So if it's not going to work for you to keep a handwritten journal, then by all means, use your phone, use your voice recorder, 
the the main point is to deepen your connection to the place. It's good to keep in mind that there's there's different tools through which we can pay attention. And I think there's there's sort of a superficial attention that we can pay with with our smartphone for example. But if we think of dynamic ways to use a smartphone, even though it's not the classic paper version of a journal, it can actually be a tool for paying attention as a traveler. I'm curious, of, as we come to the top of the hour, what advice you might leave us with for someone who's been thinking about this and doesn't have a proper travel journal beyond those first three pages of the first three days of their trip years ago. What advice might uh, you leave us with about how to keep a travel journal and how that journal can deepen your journey? So I would say to start by getting a glue stick and a journal that is appealing to you, that feels good to you in your hands. That um, and not, I would say don't you know don't again don't hold yourself to just writing 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 every single day and filling it, but instead to have fun with it and to to just commit to writing a little bit a couple sentences a day um, and, you know, wrap those sentences around business cards or, um, you know, receipts or people's drawings. I always ask strangers to draw me a map to somewhere. If someone says, oh, do you, you know, do you need help finding where you're going? Uh, And I ask them for directions and they start to tell me, I, I ask them to draw me a map in my journal if if I have it with me, or if I have my little notebook, I write I have them write it and then I paste that in. And so to just make it a creative pursuit instead of something that feels heavy and obligatory is probably my my best advice. And and the thing that's going to happen is you'll come away with something that is really fun to look back on it more fun i think than your you know your instagram feed it's fun to look back on your instagram feed sure but it's not this tangible kinesthetic connection to the place that you can run your fingers over and think wow you know this is the map of the fez medina that says you know turn left at the fish and turn right at the meat or whatever. I love that map that says that. And it it has that handwritten note on it. And it, you know, you can place your hand right on that map and and feel like you're back in, in the market. And there's magic in that. This has been Deviate with Rolf Potts. More about everything that was just mentioned, including information about Lavinia Spaulding's book, Writing Away, can be found in the show notes at rolfpotts.com slash deviate. And as always, you can contact me with insights or questions at deviate at rolfpotts.com. This episode was produced by Cedar Van Tassel, who also does the theme music. Thanks for listening, and I hope you tune in for future episodes of Deviate with Rolf Potts.